This episode of the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast is brought to you by the Midwest Game Nerds Podcast. Tune in for the latest video game news and discussions covering all platforms and genres. Search for Midwest Game Nerds in iTunes and subscribe today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. Nick. I'm Willie. I'm Tim. Today we're going to be talking about a bunch of film news, and then we're also going to do a full review of the Spirit Brothers Predestination. Yeah, we are. But before we get to that, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MFN Podcast. Look for us on Facebook and Vine. Search for Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. Give us a call, 248-7335-MFN, which is 248-7335-636. Leave us a voicemail. We might play it on air and talk about it. And, of course, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. You can write us an email, or you can go to MidwestFilmNerds.com or iTunes for all previous 116-plus bonus episodes. And uh, the Midwest Game Nerds podcast now has a an iTunes feed, so please go su- subscribe. Wow. We're going to review the order and talk about a bunch of other game news this week, so check that out, please. So. What days does the Game Nerd podcast come out? Uh, whenever it's done. Okay. <laughs> We're, we we aim for Friday. Sometimes it's Saturday. But it's a bitchin' crew you've assembled, though. It is. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. I want your brother to come back so he can be on it. I think my ideal my ideal roster is Gojo, John, Brian, and Zach. Oh goodness! If they could do it every week, that'd be sweet. Well, but Zach Zach has the technology to probably make that. That's happen. true. We could. We he's, could. We he's pretty inclined in. when it comes to those things. So. That's true. I'll have to. We'll have to get him on. He could at least pop on every once in a while. Yeah. He'd enjoy it. Get some Gibbs love over on the, the game nerds. Yep. I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified for this show, but that <laughs> show I'm really not qualified for. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not qualified for this show either. I but. just squeaked by somehow. <laughs> you, you help, you, you, you're one of the help, the founding members, so you get to be a part of it anyway. Oh, That's yeah. how it goes. I basically, it's, I'm going to get to a point where I just don't have to watch the movie anymore. <laughs> just make shit up. Okay. Welcome. <laughs> I have arrived. We have one of those guys already. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh film news, we start off with a downer, probably the biggest story this week in my opinion. Leonard Nimoy has passed away at the age of 83. Uh, I just wanted to touch on this just to talk about Leonard Nimoy a little bit. I never I haven't seen him in much other than just Star Trek. But Spock is such an iconic character and him being the one who originated that character and and how that character has kind of transcended time and, and space itself. I think it's pretty remarkable that uh, he was at the helm there. But I don't know if anybody else knows him from anything else. Well, he's a, he was a pretty accomplished. I mean, I mean, he was a talented director and writer, too. So yeah. I think that that's something that people sometimes forget about. And yeah. How many, Tim, how many Star Trek movies did he direct? Uh, he directed two. Okay. He, he directed three and four. Okay. Well, yeah. those are two. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Um, I, I like both of those. Um, I said two's, uh, Wrath of Khan's the best Star Trek movie, but four is actually my favorite, The Voyage Home. I like that one a lot. It's, it reminds me of the TV show the most because it's kind of it's got a ton of humor in it. Yeah. And it's really good. Um, that's my favorite Star Trek. Um, outside of that, he was he was an interesting, um, funny, kind of sweet guy. He, uh, from what I know, I mean, he did In Search Of, which was an old TV show. Um, 
he was on Fringe for a little bit. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna say yeah. I really really want to watch Fringe, and I remember him being on there. And and my mom was a big Fringe fan, and she always she loved the fact that he like joined the cast for a little while. So it's, he has the best Simpsons cameo. Yeah, because he's on the best. He's on the uh, best episode of The Simpsons. He's on the Marge versus the Monorail episode, and it's Beautiful. like the best Beautiful. episode. Nice. Um, really good one. But yeah, he did a lot. Like he he sang. Yeah, yeah. He oh, released yeah. like five or six albums. I, I the Ballad of Bilbo Baggins is a delightful <laughs> little ditty, yeah. and honestly, I like. I actually kind of like the song. Like yeah. I'm a fan, so maybe I'll listen to that tonight. Like just to to. As a tribute to the man, right? He was yeah. a photographer too. Apparently, he was a photographer. He, had a lot of, he like photography books and he things. did a couple of like nude art books. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's kind of weird. Hey, it's amazing. Do what you want to do. I don't know. Any other <laughs> thoughts on uh, Leonard Nimoy? No. Three minute baby still good. I I have seen very very are definitely the least of all of us. <laughs> anything Leonard Nimoy? I yeah. obviously always knew who he was, but. Um, because my dad liked Star Trek, but I had never watched it when I was younger. Yeah. But I will say that when I was in the theater uh, seeing Star Trek 09, mm-hmm. and he showed up, I got really excited. <laughs> and yeah. I was such a non-fan of any of the lore, but because I understood what it meant and how the way that they so in amazingly elegantly handled time travel and parallel universes and everything, it's it's brilliant in that movie. Yeah. And Nimoy just slipped right into that universe with such grace and kind of passed the torch to uh Zachary Quinto in such a such an amazing way. Yeah. I was like, wow, that guy's a that guy's a badass. Yeah. And it kinda made me want to watch the old show and then I did and I was like, No, this sucks and I stopped. <laughs> but It's a shame, man. <laughs> gotta watch Space Seed and then watch Wrath of Khan. That's what you gotta do. Yeah, tune into that episode to hear the OG Alex's tears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go back, go back to Star Trek Into Darkness See, if you want to know. Nimoy touched us very directly because <laughs> that episode is hilarious. It's yeah, it's true. He inadvertently created a meme on this show. <laughs> it's true. It's very yeah, true. So he echoes all the way to to Berkeley, Michigan. Yes. So rest in peace, Leonard Nimoy. Um, we'll move on to some other news. Uh, Joseph Kahn put out one of those kind of proof of concept shorts that he wanted to do as we have gotten for like Voltron and Mortal Kombat and things like that in the past. Yeah, there was a Voltron one done by one of the guys who uh, was on the Totally Rad show and it had some star power behind it. It wasn't very good. I didn't like Voltron because I don't know, but felt like an inferior Power Rangers, which is what we're talking about right now. An inferior Power Rangers. I know, right? You can tell that I'm a that I'm a '90s kid, but uh, so Power Rangers. Joseph Kahn made a Power Rangers short, and uh, the internet exploded over it. Uh, have we all watched it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, speaking for everybody, we have all watched it. Yeah. I think we all nodded. No, everybody. I'm speaking for everybody on Earth. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, who wants to? Say, what do you think of Power Rangers? Are you interested? Do you want a movie out of this? Do you not want a movie out of this? I Power Rangers is one of those things where I. I think for me as a kid, it was kind of just a phase, and I don't really have any sort of... I mean, I have fond memories of watching it and the toys and stuff, but mm-hmm. I don't... Like, I, I get excited about some childhood properties being kind of brought back, but Power Rangers is one where I'm like, eh, I don't... I feel like I don't have a need for it in my life at this point. But yeah. We'll see. I, I don't know. Uh, this, this, to me, didn't work, but I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Nick, what did you think about Power Ranger? Power slash Ranger, as it's known? <laughs> A clever title, I guess. Uh, as a kid, I thought Power Rangers were awesome. As a man, I don't care. <laughs> Which is 
Not a comment oft heard on this podcast. They hear us go, oh, that beloved childhood property? Yeah, I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> We're usually always pretty excited about that stuff. But Power Rangers is so insanely made for kids, mm-hmm. like just for kids, that I think it's really hard for an adult to like even remotely relate to that or like think it's cool. So I, wa- I, lo- I thought it was neat. Like I, I wasn't, while I was watching it, I wasn't like laughing or like scoffing. I was like, well, good job. You made it like look pretty cool. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know hardly anything about the production. So I assume it's one of those things where he did all the animation himself or whatever, or like, you know, someone did it for like nothing over the course of months, but it was kind of clever. I do not want to see a feature length of it. I think it's great for what it is, but if he gets like a hundred million dollars to make that, I'm just going to laugh and go, that's a waste of money. <laughs> Unless Vanderbeek is leading it. In oh, which God, case, yes. it's still a waste of money, but at least, <laughs> you know, I'm interested. In at it. least yeah. you get to watch uh, Vanderbeek Langella the hell out of the thing, right? Yeah, which he did. Yeah, in, totally. In that, it was great. But, um, yeah, I don't think the world really needs that. Maybe that's just me. I know there's some <laughs> fans of the podcast out there that will disagree. Yeah, Victor, if you are still listening, which I'm guessing you're not, please write in and let us know what you thought of Power Ranger. But If we hashtag Power Rangers with this episode, he'll find it. Okay. And go. <gasps> All right, Tim, what do you think of Power Ranger? Power Ranger? Yeah. I am the... I love Joseph Kahn. <laughs> I really do. I think Torque is a masterpiece. I'm not joking. And, there, are, um, there are like Joseph Kahn has a really small but rabid fan base. I love Joseph, and I'm Kahn. glad to know that you're part of. I it. I love Detention. Yeah. I think Detention is wonderful. Um, the problem with Joseph Kahn is he's he's a he's an ass. He's a smart ass. Mm-hmm. And what from what I gather with this, he was basically bored. And that's where the best art comes from, I think, is when you're bored and Being you want to do something silly. Okay. Um, and he has basically, I mean, in an interview, I think with Hip Fix, he said, I hate fan films, <laughs> and I think it's ridiculous that everybody wants to turn every child property into something grim and gritty. <laughs> so that's what he did, and he did it in the most grim and gritty way possible. <laughs> and then he fan cast James Vanderbeek and Katie Sackhoff, <laughs> who are Katie Sackhoff's like the go-to fangirl casting <laughs> that is right true. now. That is I true. Mean, it's. I don't think this is his best work, honestly. I think it's. It's not my favorite thing he's done. Yeah, but it's so funny, <laughs> and because it's obviously just uh, to me, I took it as kind of crapping all over a lot of this. As far as Power Rangers go, um, I I I think I they were a little after me. Yeah. I'm a little older. Um, my uh, my brother was really into Power Rangers, but and I get it. I'm good. Like, I mean, good for people that like. It. I mean, <laughs> it's fine. I, it's just the thing with Power Rangers, as opposed, and I, and it's fine. <laughs> like, I don't. I, we're like we're. I've been so smug with Power Rangers in the past, and I, I don't want to crap all over people's child. The thing with Power Rangers is. It was always just made to sell toys. Yeah. And that's that's not something I've ever grasped onto from my childhood. It's things that sell. Like, the stuff I like from when I was a kid and still like is stuff like Spider-Man and X-Men that had stories behind it. Yeah. I couldn't tell you what the story of Power Rangers was. They fought those gray guys a lot. And, and then the that putty patrol, bro. The putties. And they were called putties. Yeah. And then... um. Goldar and that woman screamed a lot. She yeah, Rita Repulsa. Yeah, they they dubbed over her with screams because she was Japanese and they filmed it. Right, (laughs) that's the most genius thing about Power Rangers to me is that they just took the scenes from a Japanese show and just 
filmed high school wraparounds for all of it. it Wasn't it multiple shows? Capitalism. Yeah, oh, there's a ton of them. They're still going on. Yeah. Like, it was the cheapest it could possibly be, and it probably made so much money in merchandising that it's amazing. But... I totally agree. And it's but that's kind of how like G.I. Joe and, and Transformers started, but at least those were like entertaining and they did have stories to them. And G.I. Joe is the movie is is really stupid. <laughs> yeah. Both of them are really dumb. Yeah. And so I it's just it's bizarre to me that they would that they're there's a group of people that like really wants the Power Rangers to be taken seriously because it's a dumber show than G.I. Joe. <laughs> And I don't, I don't, it, I, it's hard for me to grasp. And I know we have some fans that are Power Rangers listeners or watchers, like they love it. And yeah. they're like, there's a mythology. And like, I, I just, I'm sorry, but. <laughs> no, I mean, as I, I, I watched this and I was like, this is fun, but this is like, if I were going to go see a Power Rangers movie, this isn't what I want it to be. I want it to be like just as campy and as ridiculous as the, as the show was. Or the movie. Remember the movie? To- yeah. Dude, I own it on DVD. Right. <laughs> it was my first experience of Higher Ground by the Red Hot Chili Peppers <laughs> while I was seeing it in the drive-in theater. But, but I saw the drive-in really too. Stupid movie too. Like, no, and, and that's why, and I think that's why maybe some people still enjoy it. It's really stupid. Yeah, and I can't see people like enjoying if this was an hour and a half movie. No, that was that, made. I mean, you, that would still love it. I, 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 I like this thing a lot more. Hearing your comments about this is just Joseph Kahn making fun of people making fan films. That to me is really, really funny and really cool. But I don't know. I don't. I don't need to see a movie of this, so. No, I'm good. All right. He should use my cast, though. Go yeah. back and listen, because I fan cast it. Totally, yeah. I, I forget, never listened to that. I forget it's what episode really it was, but it, it's a brilliant cast. It it's, is a really good cast. It's it's fantastic. Wally Fister was going to direct it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can I, get a, can I get a preview? Who was uh, Who was the Blue Ranger? I don't even remember. I remember the pink. The I, can't, pink. I can't give it away. Okay, I can't yeah. give it away. I'll, I'll, I'll just listen to it as God intended. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, I think yeah. it was the... Um, I'll report the, I think it was the Transcendence episode. Yeah. Really? I think so. Really? Okay. Is that why you brought it up? It's got to be close. I'll, I'll dig through those handy show notes and I'll find it. Yeah. You'll find there, it. It's there somewhere. Just uh, There's some some, some episode that has listener feedback, I think. that's or search. At least I know it, it was one I wasn't on, so that'll, that'll never. If you down. search for Tim, it'll give you a list of all Tim's episodes. I'm not kidding, because I tag them I with for whoever's Tim in them. Yeah, but... Anyway. So Google will remember. <laughs> Searching for Tim Long. Searching for Tim Long. So on Looking to... for those Leonard Nimoy photographed uh, Tim Long pictures. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, because Willie was not here last week, uh, we're going to bring back up the Neil Blomkamp alien news. We also got a little bit more. He did an interview like during the press tour for Chappie with Sigourney Weaver saying something along the lines of, uh, something close to the movie that I'm going to make is going to disregard Alien 3 and 4, and he's kind of backpedaled on that. But, uh, Willie, how much joy did that bring to you to read that news story? <laughs> you saw me in the parking lot. Oh, yeah, yeah. When, when, when it was first announced, you were so geeked. It was, it was pretty amazing. But then, on top of that, hearing the confirmation that... That was... That, was, <sighs> that 3 and 4 would not be part of... That's the thing plans. is, I, I think I think his initial comment was, I think he backpulled on it because it made it sound like he like he like screw three and four like those movies are the worst and that, I don't think it's what he meant by it, yeah. even though they are good. Um, I think he just meant that 
his is going to be more along the lines of the first two and, and really follow those two with, well, not paying attention to the other ones. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy them and still watch them. But yeah. I think he was trying to correct himself. And then he said that um, somebody asked him, I think it was today the interview came out. They said, like, hey, you know, uh, so the concept art that you put out, because he put that out a couple of months back. That was, like, last Mo- month. Yeah. Last month? Okay. And um, it had, you know, Sigourney in it and Michael Bean in it and uh, clearly disregarding stuff that had happened in that series of films. Yeah. Um, and the interviewer was saying, like, oh, are you sticking to that concept art or is that just something you were doing, you know, yeah. to try? And, and he's he's like, no, I'm, I'm hoping they'll both say yes. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, God. Goop. Beautiful. It's really exciting. I mean, I, it's going to be a very cool-looking movie, regardless yeah. of the quality. So I guess there's that. At least it's going to be, it's it's going to be a, a director who clearly has a visual style mm-hmm. and and can put his stamp on it. Um, I'm definitely. I mean, I'm, I'm cautious like anything, but I'm really excited for the possibility of it. The possibility of having those characters back and and kind of. I don't want to say righting the wrongs of those two because I know some people do enjoy Alien Three. I don't think anybody really enjoys Resurrection other yeah. than for laughs. But um, yeah, no, I think it's I think it'll be cool to see him kind of give a proper send off to those characters and and uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm really excited for it. I'm super excited. I'm trying to tame myself right now, so <laughs> I'm an alien. I'm in alien uh, madness mode where I'm playing Alien versus Predator and. Uh, reading alien comic books and stuff. So I'm in full like full psych- psycho mode here. So beautiful. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. Well, uh, any other thoughts on that real quick? I know we talked about it last week, but did uh, you guys see the little interview snippet with him talking about Elysium? No, but no, I, I read, I, I read oh, about no. it. What was it? He basically was like, yeah, I, I really screwed up Elysium <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah. And he, so. he said he was, it was pretty interesting. And I think his, his comments are, I think, can be kind of a sigh of relief for people who are really excited about his alien movies. The fact that he realizes his film was had some issues that well, it was what he said specifically was that he was a little too close to it and he was too caught up in his excitement over the ideas, just mm-hmm. the concepts that he yeah. forgot to like make sure the story was really good and yeah. the characters were good. So he was like, "Yeah, I, I still think about that idea of a giant ring above Earth where all the rich people live." He goes, "I just wish the movie around it had been better." He was like, "I wish I had taken more time." And I was like, "That's cool that he can say that." Got to yeah. respect the fact that. That movie's so fresh, and he already is admitting that you know it could have been better. Yeah, yeah. I'm really, I'm this. I mean, I was excited for Chappie to begin with, and I was rooting for Chappie to begin with because I love District Nine. Like I think all of us enjoyed District Nine. Yeah, and uh, I really want to see him do well, and so I'm Chappie. This is a big one for me now. Check bigger back than it was next before. Week. Check I back know. next week for our review of Chappie. I'm praying he's 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 two for three after that. You we'll know? see. We'll, we'll see. see. Uh, I forgot to do my joke about the leading off at the top with the sad news, the biggest story and the saddest news. Uh, I was going to introduce uh, Jared Leto's hair getting cut. Oh, did he finally cut that? Because that was yeah. in the news. Yeah, David Ayer was posting Instagram pictures with like scissors up to the ponytail. And then there's right. also a shot, a brooding-ish kind of shot, brooding at sexy shot of Jared Leto with his <laughs> hand his in his hair. his fingers through his newly shorn uh, head. Locks, yeah. Yes. So I, I wanted to do that and, and just hear Tim recoil on the on the track. But What inappropriate quote did he use to? I don't think there was one because he didn't actually tweet it. If, if it was Jared Leto tweeting it, it'd be something ridiculous. It'd be like a, <laughs> like a Sun Tzu quote or something. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's, I, I like that David Ayer said that uh, somebody said, describe Jared Leto's take on the Joker. And he said, majestic. <laughs> <laughs> what? I always forget Tim hates Jared Leto. Yeah. yeah. 
It's hilarious. I always forget. And I laugh really hard. I don't forget. I Never forget. I'm not gonna lie. Seeing the shot of him, like without the beard and with the shorter hair, it like took me back to the Fight Club days, and I was like, "This is Jared Leto." Right the here. Fight Club days. I love his movies. Yeah, '99. I guess back when he had shorter <laughs> hair and no beard. He's back. Just weird to classify Jared Leto as like the Fight Club days. <laughs> the movie was in for seven and a half minutes. Well, you remember those Fight Club days? That's a very Leto. important scene. I guess. <laughs> I still <laughs> go back to episode three where we Never debate mind. Fight Club or whatever it is. I liked him in the Panic Room days when he had the cornrows. Oh, see, there you go. I liked that. All right. What if the Joker had cornrows? Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> yeah. Please. All right. All right. All right. I'm down. <laughs> now we're slowly talking. winning Tim over. <laughs> okay, our final actual serious news story. Uh, Denis Villeneuve, director of Prisoners and Enemy, is in negotiations to direct Harrison Ford as. Rick Deckard in Blade Runner 2 with Ridley Scott producing. Uh, this is awesome, right? I hope so. This is this. <laughs> I, I, I think I said it to Nick. I'm not sure. I, whatever. I, I said this is either Hollywood pulling the biggest trolling ever on me this week or they're like giving me the greatest gift. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, and, and we won't know for a few years. So, yeah. I, I mean, the guy's, the guy's a an awesomely talented director and the moodiness of his previous two films, I think is going to translate really well into that universe. Yeah. I mean, if you look at prisoners and you think about the, like just the filter he puts on everything and that, then the rain and the, it's, I mean, he totally has the eye for the blade runner thing. Yeah. Um, you know, what remains to be seen is can he handle a budget that this probably will have? I mean, it won't be an insanely star Warsy budget, but it'll be, Probably a bigger budget than he's ever dealt with, and, and I and it kind of being in the genre world, just like making that jump to science fiction. Because I mean, his movies have some weird elements to them, and mm-hmm. some of them could be considered science fiction, kind of. But this is like a whole another step in that direction, I think. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see if that happens. But I think having it? Harrison back is interesting. Who wrote what? Blade Runner two, Hampton Fancher yeah. and Ridley Scott, the two that wrote the original. Oh. Yeah. yeah, they had got Hampton Fancher back, which is amazing to me because if he like hated that process, so, <laughs> so did Harrison, <laughs> so did Ridley. <laughs> so I mean, I know that we've kind of gained a little bit of nervousness over Ridley Scott directing things over the past few iterations, as you can hear on our reviews of Exodus, Gods and King, and Kings and The Counselor. And if we did a review of Prometheus, you would have heard it there too. Mm-hmm. Did we do a pre- no? No, I think that was that was, no. that was pretty- earlier that summer. Yeah. So, I don't, any any other thoughts on Blade Runner real quick? Nick, you should speak to this. Blade Runner's very close to your heart. Uh, for Denis, I've only seen Prisoners. Yeah. And I think based on that, yeah, it's a pretty good, it's a solid choice. I don't know if it's awesome, but, like, I think it's a good choice for sure. It's better than a lot of, it's better than Ridley directing it. That, okay, that's, yeah, I was wondering. I haven't seen Enemy yet. I've heard really mixed things, so I guess I have to watch it now. Enemy's weird, and I'd like to see it and, and actually watch it and talk about it with somebody. But I think it's as, very worth watching. As far as Ford being back, I, I was really excited about the idea, but literally just as Willie was talking, I pictured Harrison Ford right now. Like in the world of Blade Runner, and I was like, "Ooh, uh, <laughs> oh, well, no, no, all right, we'll see." That might be the most disconcerting thing for me, and it's nothing against Harrison Ford at all. I, I just have to see. We'll have but, to see how the story addresses it. Yeah. Well, the, in the in the early ideas about it was that he wasn't there until like Act Three, but who knows at this yeah. point? It's I'm, it's uh, weird that Harrison Ford is 
doubling back on everything he said for the last 30 years about <laughs> pretty much every franchise he's been tied to. Got to get that money so he can rescue more people it, in his weird. chopper. There's a, a worry jet. with a Blade Runner sequel, too, because doesn't it kind of mess with the whole mm-hmm. intrigue of the first film? A so little bit. It kind of... <laughs> it also really interferes with Ridley's cut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's like... that's what I always that's what I gather. And you're gonna have yeah. to like you're gonna have to excuse me if I'm a little gun shy about any movie that's a sequel to a 20 year old movie <laughs> or any movie that stars. Harrison Wall Street Ford money never point. sleeps turned out fantastic. Tim. Like because yeah, the track record <laughs> is sterling. <laughs> and and this is coming from a fan of the counselor, a giant fan of the counselor, I might add. So it's. Um, we already have one of those guys, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this. I mean, I'm could be more excited. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited for sure, but I'm cautiously excited. Okay, cautiously optimistic. All right, probably more excited for Alien. Weirdly, even though I'm more excited for Blade Runner in general, I'm more excited for Alien, and it, it which. Just because I, I don't know, just because Alien feels like it's it, it deserves another sequel. And Blade can, Runner, I'm like, if it never got a sequel, I'd be okay with it. Alien you know? like can be redeemed. Blade Runner doesn't need to be. redeemed. It doesn't need redemption. Well, another, yeah, yeah. The original thing they were talking about is another movie in the Blade Runner universe. Yes, yeah. totally. I would, totally. I would. I would. I would love to the watch Denis that. Directed like Blade Runner world movie about other things but we've, we've talked about this nick we've yeah, talked about yes <laughs> nearly 10 years ago <laughs> you know what would be good in that? back in the fight club didn't oh, never mind yeah you know what would be good in that universe <laughs> is if this exact same team did a power rangers movie <laughs> Ooh, yeah now yeah. we're talking and they fought the blade runners <laughs> power slash ranger slash blade slash runner <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking <laughs> get on oh. it if if we titled our episodes after things we said in the episode, that would be the title of this yeah. episode. But sadly, we don't do that. It's all right. So. Maybe we'll start at some point. Maybe. All right. Uh, we are going to move into our full review of the Spirit Brothers Predestination. So right now, I'm going to say you should turn this off and go watch the movie. Yeah. You should not know as much as possible. Like, don't know anything going into this movie. I don't I'm not even, I don't want to read the synopsis for you. That's how much I don't want you to know anything about this movie. So please hit pause, go on Amazon and rent it or go on iTunes and rent it. I think if you buy it on iTunes, it has a whole bunch of special features, so you should do that too if that's your kind of thing. But please stop here. I know this is the second week that we're doing this, but please stop here. Go watch the movie and come back. I don't think you should know anything about it. Seriously. Yeah. Seriously. Okay. Been warned. Predestination starring uh, Ethan Hawke, Sarah Snook, Noah Taylor, and a few other people in smaller roles. Uh, The IMDb synopsis says, The life of a time-traveling temporal agent. On his final assignment, he must pursue the one criminal that has eluded him throughout time. Uh... This movie was released video on demand back in January-ish, and uh, it had hit like a few festivals before that in 2014. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I wanted to. I remember hearing little bits and pieces about this, and hearing that you should know nothing when you go into it. So uh, I was very intrigued, and I wanted to check it out. And I should say here, everything is spoilers from here on out. So if you somehow listened to that last part, even though I told you not to. This is just pure spoilers from here on out. Okay. That being said, uh, 
My original idea for this movie was that we would just go and watch it and then immediately start the recording right afterwards because I think it's very hard to not finish this movie while watching it with people or even without watching it with people and needing to talk about it in order to just dissect what happened in front of you. I wasn't going to be here tonight. Yeah. And, and then and I finished the movie. I was like, I can't not be there. <laughs> I, need to talk. I need to work through my feelings here. Yes. And, and Tim posted a lengthy uh, brisk read that I did not end up reading about, no. about what, 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 uh, so, so it'll be good for me to think about what I thought happened. And then if you actually did read that, we can kind of see. I mean, it. I read it. <laughs> so, so I don't know. Uh, Nick, how did you feel about Predestination as a film in the first place? Hmm. I mean, I I exclaimed halfway through. I was like, "Ethan Hawke for Cable, let's do it!" I really like. I really, really enjoy time travel movies, and I wish there were more good time travel movies. And I I recognize it's one of the probably one of the hardest movies to make. Certainly within the sci fi genre, it's probably one of the hardest to tackle, to make it compelling, to do it well, and to make it make sense. Everything there is really tricky. Um, this movie does it well it makes it make sense and it, it it does a really good job handling the time travel mechanic um the acting's good it's interestingly directed there's lots of cool shots cool blocking uh the way it's told is is pretty creative and, and it feels it feels like a pretty original movie like it feels different than pretty much everything else i've seen mm-hmm. it, with with faint echoes of 12 monkeys but um which, by the way, don't spoil anything about 12 Monkeys. Alex has never seen it. Yes, that's true. Don't do that. Um, that goes for you as well, listener. You we shouldn't <laughs> be here right now. Um, Brad Pitt is monkey. No, I don't know. <laughs> he is 12 Monkeys. Um, <laughs> He's just 12 Monkeys in a trench coat. But uh, yeah. <laughs> He opens the trench coat and explodes in the monkeys. <laughs> okay. <anyway>. It, um, <laughs> Tim's crying. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought we were going to have an intelligent conversation. Well, we'll I was trying to. We'll get there. I'm sorry. It's all right um, if we don't. It's, and it, while I was watching it, I was enjoying it. Yes, the, the first act feels like eons long. And mm-hmm. it, the movie is really weirdly structured. And unfortunately, there's just no getting over that. It's probably much better the second time you're watching it. The first time I was like, I'm so confused. Why am I watching this person tell this story for 45 minutes? Is this a yeah. Stephen King short story? Like, <laughs> what's going on? It was very weird, but it makes sense in the end. Um but ultimately, when it was over, I felt very dissatisfied. There's, and a lot of this is by nature of the movie, but that doesn't really make it okay. There's really no resolution to anything. There's, there doesn't feel like there's really any growth, any character growth, or at least not that's on screen. Um, there, there are a lot of gaps in, in time, I mean, obviously, but uh, <laughs> with, with the story of the main character that I, I'd like to know kind of their thought, thought process during that time and uh i want to know a lot more about the bureau and like, the movie has a lot of cool things in it and then doesn't spend enough time on any of them it's like and i understand it's based on a, a short story and maybe it works better in that medium but this movie is like a ton of really really awesome ideas were were thrown into a hat and they said pick one and they just dumped the whole hat out and said make it <laughs> like there's there are so many w- interesting character quirks and character traits and story beats there's too much of that for one movie and it's too much to pay attention to and it, it it's like 
it's probably like when you're like a little kid and you run in somewhere and someone's like, here's a hundred presents for you. And you're like, oh my God, where do I start? What do I pay attention to? And you probably just faint from exhaustion because <laughs> it's just too much. So I think it had the movie, I, I really want to read it now because I want to know how faithful they were to it and if, if it's better in, in, in the written form. Um, the written form. But, uh, <laughs> it's Midwest just... Book Nerds podcast coming soon. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> let's do this. <laughs> No, it's um. To quit my job. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay you good. nothing to do more work. Anyway. It's a good movie, and I, I did enjoy watching it. When it was over, I was like, I think I'm going to watch that. Want to watch that again pretty soon? And I still think that's true. Ethan Hawke is really cool in it. Um, Ethan Hawke's mustache is it's great. Oh, it's so good. I couldn't stop just going <laughs> the whole like he did every five minutes movie. But <laughs> I had something else to say in regards to the shorts. Oh, um, I, I wish the movie had stayed in the script stage longer. I wish they had decided, listen, we love the book, but maybe we should take this element out of it. I really, we're in full-blown spoiler mode right now, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I wish that the barkeep and the unmarried mother were separate people. I wish they were different characters. Do, do you know in the book that they are? They are? No, I don't know. Oh, I don't know. Oh, that's the thing is that I, like, I don't that, know. That's what I'm saying. If they, yeah. if they are the same person, no, they are the same person in the book. Okay. Um, the book, from what I gather, the movie is a pretty faithful adaptation of the book. And okay. I kind of wish they had changed that element. Okay. Because it's just too much. And, and it, it, again, you kind of can't, though, because it's the whole crux of the story. Is that yeah. There's this paradox. But the paradox can still exist with Ethan Hawke having to be the, the, the bomber and the guy who sets this other person on their path. He's like a good guy and a bad guy. But then the reason he makes this person continually meet themselves and make themselves would be weird. Like, why is he bothering to do that? Yeah. So I understand the need for that, but I, w- I still wish they were different people. Because yeah. by the end of the movie, I was exhausted. I was like, God damn, like, how many other people in this movie is he? Like, it's, <laughs> it's cool. It's a, it's a really cool concept. Like, I think if I had thought of it in the middle of the night, I would have been like, that's amazing. <laughs> the execution is just not quite there. Okay. So. Willie. Your thoughts on predestination? Pretty much with Nick the whole <laughs> way through. Um, I, I was I, this movie has more twists in it than Wild Things. Anybody ever seen that film? <laughs> yeah, that movie. That movie. There's twists in the final credits of that movie. Like, like, it doesn't stop. <laughs> like yeah. at the end, it's like, oh, it's awful. yeah. M Night watched this and was like, oh, what? Now this is a better movie than Wild Things, mind you. A much better movie than Wild Things. Mm. Well, yeah. Let's not. Let's not. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. Let's not cry this movie's that. trying to accomplish different things than Wild Things, but they're both enjoyable it doesn't films. Doesn't have Matt Dillon, so <laughs> <laughs> making weird sex faces. <laughs> we got that might be the most defensive we've ever got about a movie. I know. Is I, wild. I, we're I, like, come I, on. And I, I backed right off. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, I know my place. Um, but no, I mean honestly, I was half expecting at the like after the credits, like post credits for. Uh, Noah Taylor to open up his shirt and he put a surgery <laughs> scar. <It's> like, <laughs> he <crawls> out. <laughs> like Nick Fury walks in and fucking opens up his shirt and then recruits himself. I mean, it was just it was silly. <laughs> I I think it does really cool stuff with the idea of time travel. I I do love the idea of the bureau. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, trying to prevent things from happening or altering events for the better of the world. I think that's really cool. And I think that the Ethan Hot character should have been remained separate from. Um, from the, uh, what the was her name? Snook? So was it? Jane or Jane oh, or John? Her name is obviously oh, with the actor. Sarah, Sarah Snook. Sarah Snook. Yeah. yeah, I think I think her characters and Ethan Hawke should have remained separate. And I understand. I can understand. At some point, as a writer, the writer saying to himself, "Now that's the twist," and then building the movie around the, the reveal that the main character you've been following is the same, main, like the other main character. You know, like I get that. I get the desire to do that. But at some point, you have to let go of that idea. 
if it's not good for the overall story. I don't think it was. I like the idea of Ethan Hawke being his own character because he was so interesting and you didn't know his backstory. And it made him that much more of a... I, like an enigma, and I liked that. I, I never wanted, like, I never wanted to know anything about Ethan Hawke's backstory. Just maybe tiny little hints through Noah Taylor's character and their conversations, and the, the you know, just there's maybe just little character beats. But then, as it turns out, he is the character. I mean, it's just. I mean, I tried explaining this movie to somebody afterwards because they they're like, I don't care about being spoiled. I'm like, fine, I'm just going to tell you because you'll never watch this. And I was like, seriously, this movie is a movie about Ethan Hawke. Having sex with being a girl and then having sex with himself <laughs> as a guy and then turning into Ethan Hawke through face burning <laughs> and then abducting his baby self. And then it's like I couldn't even right? explain yeah. it. Yeah. It was a lot of Ethan Hawks. <laughs> um, I, I wish there were more Ethan Hawks. Too many Hawks? Yeah. <laughs> right. Never. Um, <laughs> see, and I think if, if Ethan Hawke had, had always been the guy who impregnated her and made her like miserable... Like basically, if Jane had stayed Jane and he met her at the bar at the future somehow and took her back, and it was revealed that it was actually him, and he had had his face changed, I would be okay with that. If he used to look different, yeah. It, but it was the he used to not only look different, but literally was an entirely different sex. Yeah, and it loses it loses me a little bit there. And I think they, I think it's, I think it's interesting. Um, I think the the hermaphrodite character is interesting too because you don't see that in movies a lot, especially yeah. as a protagonist. That's kind of like a yeah. ooh, we don't want no, that person true. to be our hero, and I think that that's interesting to do that. I think it's it's kind of a bold choice. And she did a pretty good job. But I think in both roles, I, I genuinely when she walked in the bar as Joe, I said I said to myself, "There's something off about this person." Like I can tell something's not like I'm like that person doesn't like there's something weird going on here, and then I obviously figured it out but I, I wasn't entirely unconvinced that it wasn't a guy like yeah. so it yeah. she did a good job of like getting into that character and and she she's the best she had the best performance in the in the movie um i think <laughs> oh i thought yeah i'm i'm with you and i, yeah. I, I like no, she you, was though. good yeah <laughs> i wish um, i wish they had made her look a little bit more like a dude yeah no i get that because initially i was like oh it's a woman masquerading as a man right or like some cool like fascist dystopian reason i'm really excited to get into and then right. it wasn't that it's like yeah. it's kind of a post up it's 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 an interesting movie i don't dislike it i want to watch it again one more time knowing the twists just so i can see if it kind of lines up for me a little bit but it's it's missing something i guess i guess in the end they kind of they mentioned that the whole thing is a snake eating its own tail you know and, yeah. it, and it is and then i kind of go well, what was the point Okay, so Noah Taylor's endlessly looping him. Okay, all right. Noah Taylor. That dastardly <laughs> son of a gun. Second best mustache. So <laughs> wasted in Game of Thrones, by the way. <laughs> Hot garbage. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess at the end of the day, I was just like, it's a cool little time travel story, and I can see why as a short story it works. It's like, it's one of those ones where you go, damn, that was kind of cool. Like, that had a little bite to it. I liked reading that, you know? Yeah, and my like, gut reactions was this would make an amazing short film. Or, or if you decided to extend it, even either a short film or extending Twi- it like into 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 a miniseries almost, and making it about the more about the bureau and about the forming of the bureau, like like the, that the bureau as a concept and the Ethan Hawke character recruiting um, Joe slash Jane, that's cool to me. Like that could have been extended into maybe even a show about these people that do this this bureau thing, but. Yeah, I think as a short film, this the story as it is as a short film, I think would have worked better. But I don't know. That's yeah. I I, I enjoyed it. I think that if you like sci-fi and time travel, it's worth a watch for sure. 
But don't be surprised. I mean, you've probably already seen it listening to this, but it's it's a it's a mind fucker. It is for sure. So, <laughs> yeah, I gotta count the twists and wild things and compare. <laughs> I'll let you guys know. Make a spreadsheet, break it down. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna break it all down. I'm gonna graph the pie graph this bitch. And we'll see. All right, Tim. What did you think of predestination? I agree with both of them pretty much. Yeah. Uh, there are a couple things that I wanted to touch on. I liked it. Uh, I got excited when I found out this was by the guys who did Daybreakers, yeah, which is I, wonderful. I wanted to bring yeah. up, like, you're the only one that's seen Daybreakers, right? I've seen part of Daybreakers, and it was pretty good. Yeah. This is the Ethan Hawke vampire film that I heard had some really it cool ideas. Sam Neill's in it. Sam, ne- yeah. Sam Will, Neill's amazing. Will yeah, Defoe. he's really good. Yeah, Willem Dafoe's in it. Yeah, it's a really fun kind of uh, trashy. Yeah. I wanted to rent it when it came out, and here we are six yep. years later. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so I would suggest watching that. I want. I kind of wanted to watch it like as soon as I was done with this. Um, other than that, I liked um, Sarah Snook. Is that her name? I liked her a lot, and I liked Ethan Hawke a lot too. And um, Ethan Hawke has this very interesting career now, and I, I like him a lot more than I. I used to think. I think I saw him in Reality Bites first, and I've never wanted to punch a character more. <laughs> I think than him in Reality Bites. So ever since then, I feel like he's trying to make up. For his character in Reality Bites. <laughs> and he's doing you. a fine job. He's doing yeah. a good job. Um, the only thing I do want to maybe break away from, I actually didn't want to see anything expanded as far as the Bureau goes. I kind of liked the almost like the science fiction wire type feel of just throwing you in this world and just not just like you figure it out. Like I kind of yeah. like this is their job. Like this is what they do. Go figure it out. I kind of like that. Um, and I... But I can see why it might be annoying. I mean, I kind of – it's a Twilight Zone episode, and it stretched 90 minutes, and it feels like it. And may, the ideas maybe don't get enough time to breathe, but this is good. Um, I want to hear what Alex says. <laughs> I Have loved, you seen this before? I, yeah, this okay, is my second, second time, time watching. I, that was the other thing is I wanted to watch it again. I uh, I loved this movie and and I get a lot of the complaint or you know like issues that you guys have with it, but to me uh, the movie really stands on its own and I find it satisfying because it is such a beautiful depiction of that paradox. That's not something that we really typically end up seeing, and if we do, you know, like it's hard because I don't want to talk about other movies that do it because that kind of almost ruins it, but. I just want to say that most of the time it's something like Back to the Future 2 style time travel where time splinters and you have different timelines and you're trying to rectify those timelines or something like source code is similar to Back to the Future 2. So, you know, that... uh, I I like having a good, well-done, super-sewn-up representation of a paradox because I don't feel like we get that very often because it is so hard to tackle, as Nick said. Uh, I think this does, this movie does a really poor job of any kind of world-building. I think you get little hints of the Bureau and little hints of the idea that space travel has actually been happening and continues to grow after the, the space race, which is not really what happens in real life, as we know. And so I think there's like a lot of little seeds here that we don't really know a whole lot about. And it would be very intriguing and awesome to learn more about them. But I'm really kind of okay with it because I do feel like the main crux of everything is just seeing the cyclical nature and being completely unable to unravel and untwist this movie. 
like if you sit there and try to do any kind of through line you are ending up in like different loops that just eat themselves all over the place and i find that really interesting and and i haven't been able to find any pieces where i'm like no this is where that one plot hole is like i can't find anything of that sort in this movie and i really respect it for that um as you guys have all said, Sarah Snook and, and Ethan Hawke are, are both amazing. Noah Taylor's great, as usual. Uh, I really like the aesthetic of the movie. I think it's a really... It's got a good vision to it, and it does feel like... It, it feels like a world, even though we don't get a very full glimpse of all of it. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I, I would say absolutely say watch it again, because being know, being in the know just kind of finding the little jokes and things that are inserted little tips of the hand that are like, this is what's going on earlier on in the movie are really interesting and cool and, and fun to, to take note of. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's mostly how I feel about it. I, I think the one thing I did want to say, the idea of keeping them separate would be cool, but I think it is the issue that Nick kind of discovered of like, why does like, even if you made John slash Jane and Ethan Hawke, different characters, different agents within the temporal agency. What is the reason that Ethan Hawke creates her? Like, I think there is something compelling of saying that Ethan Hawke is recruiting people to help fight the fizzle bomber, but then he still ends up becoming the fizzle bomber. I think there's something interesting there, but you end up losing that connective tissue that kind of makes Sarah Snook's character somewhat useless or would just be another pawn in the temporal agency. So I think writing that out more could help, but you do I think you do lose the the paradox of it all, even if she is her own mother, like that's a little I don't know. That that would feel like even more things being thrown at the wall. They'd have to refine refine it down more and do more. The to, way it felt it like it was going to me was that John Sarah Snook male is the one who ultimately takes down the fizzle bomber and becomes like the best temporal agent. Like it kind of seemed like that's what they were building towards. Was yeah. Like, you know, and something about an exchange between him, uh, Ethan Hawke and Noah Taylor, and then Ethan Hawke's like tape, like prepping him. Kind of seemed like he knew he was going to go on to do great things. And so that's why I was kind of like, okay, they could still be separate people. And it would have been cool if Ethan Hawke, old, crazy, backwoods Ethan Hawke, <laughs> got killed by John. And John being like, holy shit, the guy who, like, made me is the one who ends up doing it. And that's, like, his his purpose in the universe is to do that. And now that he helped train me, the Fizzle Bomber was only a stepping stone. And John goes on to become, like, the best temporal agent who prevents all this crazy shit from happening. I would have been into that, too. But um, I don't know. It, it, it is still really – every time I start to think about that, I think about what the plot actually is. Though, and I'm like, that's such a cool idea. But yeah. something about it's just a little hinky. Yeah, and I and I get I get that sense of feeling unsatisfied with where it's at at the end. I think that I know we disagree a hundred percent on this, but I still wish the ending was more ambiguous. I, I wish it had ended with Ethan Hawke contemplating killing himself to like stop stop himself from becoming the bomber. Like I, like that character clearly has such a like intense disgusted reaction to that that he kills himself in the future like well and i mean that's the thing is that there could be like the seeds of that are definitely there and maybe without my influence that is how you would have left it maybe what's that i'm sorry what's this the idea that the last shot of ethan hawk kind of sitting at that desk after he's killed the fizzle bomber quote unquote Mm -hmm. like maybe there's the ambiguity of does he decide to go on and become the fizzle bomber 
or does he go and kill himself to end the cycle? My whole thing with that is, my whole belief in that is that if he kills himself, then he doesn't end up being able to abduct the baby, which then creates himself. Because, like, there's so many things that can't happen if he kills himself at that point in time because he never becomes the Fizzle Bomber, which then influences him as a temporal agent. Mm -hmm. There's so many little hooks and crannies that go back to earlier parts in the story that... It's impossible that that could happen. I was under the but, impression my I I took away that he became the fizzle bomber, like that he's on his path to becoming the fizzle bomber. That was my vibe from that was because he said I think the last line is something like "I miss you" or something like that about himself, like saying that he misses himself, yeah, or whatever. So like I thought that maybe okay he starts doing these bombings to like because he knows that if he does the bombings eventually he'll come back to himself and you know. It's just it's bonkers. But. So I mean, yeah. So, but but I feel like that ambiguous reading of the movie could kind of be there. I just feel yeah, like, yeah. quote unquote, what we know of time paradoxes, which is literally nothing because they're impossible, would make it so that that ambiguous ending wouldn't work. But I get what you're saying. I think that would be leaving it on that note would be interesting. Yeah, I would have liked the ending a lot more. Because at the end, I mean, I think the movie definitely says he goes on to do it. You think so? I, yeah, I think there's really no question. You don't really see him sitting there with like a gun in his hand or like a or like two objects to symbolize one of the two choices. He's just sitting there, and the movie is kind of just like smacking him in the face, going, "Look what we look what we did! Look what <laughs> I can do! Look at all the twists we have!" And then, and there's just this mishmash of of quick cuts between like the three or four of them, whatever. And then Ethan Hawke saying, I miss you. And then the movie ends. And I was kind of like, yes, I would have liked a little more of him being like, I have a choice. Cause he says that in the movie, of course you have a choice. He says you have a choice to him, to John earlier. And I would have liked for that to kind of come around because the movie does enough, like quick flashback recaps of things said earlier. So I kind of would have liked him thinking like, do I have a choice or don't I like, do I have to do this or can I choose not to? But if I choose not to, do I dare disrupt like the, the, the fabric of space, space time? time continuum? I needed Michael Caine from Interstellar <laughs> to just drop down. <laughs> no, I want, like, I, I do wonder like if I wonder why that line is there. I wonder why he says that you have a choice. If indeed it is predestination and you really don't have a choice, but Ethan Hawke gave birth to a baby in this movie. <laughs> I mean, technically, this is really funny to me. I'm sorry. Well, and we joked. I joked about the idea that Ethan Hawke doesn't kill bomber Ethan Hawke, and then they just end up in a future where there are just Ethan Hawks in the world. <laughs> There's no other people. And then his face gets burnt, and he becomes Tom Cruise, and that explains Oblivion. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Spoiler alert for Oblivion. I don't know. Any other final thoughts on predestination? No, I want to. I'll. Um, I want to throw that link up. Yeah, the, uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. There's a lot of interesting reading. The, the whole thing's interesting. That it kind of goes through and explains it, and then the comments are really interesting too. It's not just a lot of people going, going first. Okay. <laughs> people still do that? Yeah, um, I think so. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. But there are there are some interesting readings, and then they go in that too. I mean, I, honestly, I would really like to watch it again to form. Yeah. I, like my second time, but. We could do like a follow up weird episode kind of thing. I mean, I probably won't. Yeah, but if you end up watching it, yeah, I'll probably watch Daybreakers. Okay, if you want to do that, sure. 
and then we could talk about. We'll do Daybreaker. We'll do a double feature of the second best Marigold Hotel and <laughs> and Daybreakers. Is that your guys' next movie that you're gonna go see? I it I'm might go see it. Yeah, yeah, Tim's gonna go see it. I was yeah. thinking I should watch the first one and then watch this one. And we could do a bonus. They add Richard Gere to that, that this this ensemble. Richard Gere's in it. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> dancing in the trailer. <laughs> Shall we dance? You're up. <laughs> they can't make too many more sequels, though. That's true. How many Marigold hotels are there? Well, then you're like third best. Then you start just going like, oh, they're playing. They're staying in a dump. Yeah, the last (laughs) one's just called Holiday Inn. (laughs) (laughs) Holiday Inn Marigold Hotel. Yeah, Motel Six. (laughs) Hey, so something happened and it stopped recording when we were talking about the second best exotic Marigold Hotel thing, or Bob. We've all seen it. We love it. <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to do the intro right now. We we like Predestination. Go check it out. You should see it. Are you going to do the intro? Uh, welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're just tuning in. We're, we're signing off. At <laughs> uh, MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Midwest Film Nerds Podcast on Facebook and Vine. Feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Let us know what you think of the show, the things we talk about, or anything about us. Let us know. Let me know what you think of my sense of fashion. No, don't do that. Uh, I don't know where you would see that. Anyway, uh, that's the timer telling us to stop talking about things. Two four eight seven three three five MFN. Give us a call. Leave us a voicemail. We can talk about it on the show. Uh, MidwestFilmNerds.com has all previous hundred and sixteen plus bonus episodes and full show notes. And search for us on iTunes to subscribe. And search for Midwest Game Nerds on iTunes to subscribe to that as well. Uh, Kyle XY, uh, John, John Constantine on Twitter. Thank you for our music and artwork. Yeah. This ending has completely died. <laughs> this outro died. reminds me of videos of like before there were traffic lights and there's cops just doing this <laughs> and cars just <laughs> going everywhere. <laughs> oh, Kyle XY, go watch a movie. <laughs>